Hey guys, welcome to Clark Talks, the Colombian's podcast, where we bring you the stories and views behind the news. If you don't recognize me by now, I'm Katie Gillespie. And I'm Damien Pizzanti. So, yeah, this week we're going to be looking internally, doing a little bit of, I guess, navel-gazing and exploring some of the issues near and dear to our hearts and pulling back that curtain to reveal the weird little man <laughs> behind the curtain. <laughs> pulling all the, the levers. <laughs> the, uh, the Oz of the newsroom. And yeah. I think that people think that the way that newsrooms operate is maybe a lot sexier than it actually is because people watch too much HBO. It's but. true. It's true. <laughs> but we're going to sit down with Amy Libby, who is our... Uh, she does. She wears a lot of different hats here. She's a designer. She's an editor. Um, but one of her big things that she does is moderate the comment board at Columbian.com. Yeah. So she's going to be with us. And also our uh, colleague and web editor and fellow man of many hats. Uh, really, his desk is a haberdashery of responsibilities. Is John- I like that. That's a good... <laughs> That's a good word choice, <laughs> that right? That is a good word choice. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Mr. John Hill. And so... With their powers combined, they have to sift through and regulate and think about and talk about all of the comments uh, that people give us. Well, and I think this is interesting. This year, uh, Vice just announced that it is eliminating its comment section. Mm -hmm. And NPR made headlines earlier this year when it eliminated its comment section. So I think think that a lot of news organizations are going that route. Because it takes a lot of work to manage you punks. Oh, my God. So at at my internship... There was like the default job, like if you had no other responsibilities to do, you could always go filter comments. Uh. And there were so many. It was it was absurd. And how many were just spam? I mean, unbelievable job. Yeah. But yeah I mean, for anybody that's ever spent any time reading a reading a online news news article or gone onto social media, you know just as well as we do that. The some of the messages that you run across in those comments are just crazy. I mean, yeah. there's some really great discussions that can happen, but then there's also just some lunatics that infiltrate the boards. This is true. So, <laughs> so should we keep them? Should we ditch them? Is it worth it? We're going to talk and about just that how stuff. much work goes into it. Then yeah. we're going to sit down with Tom Vote, who has been at the Columbian for more than. I think either of us have been alive for a long time. Yeah. And he's going to, every year he puts together a story list looking at what the top stories were here at the Columbian. And mm-hmm. you guys can probably guess what some of the top ones are, but he's going to give us kind of a little taste of what's to come when that story comes out toward yep. the end of, actually, I believe it'll come out next year. So we can say that now. Yeah. Uh, we're close enough. So. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. And then finally, we're going to talk a little bit about Christmas traditions. Is that right? Yeah. That we're going to take a, we're going to go out on the street and and ask some people what their holiday traditions are and good mm-hmm. or bad. But before we dive into things, I just want to say to all of you guys that tried to download last week's podcast, sorry for any confusion that you might have had. Um, it came to our attention the... After, Thanks to a commenter. Yes, <laughs> yes. <a laughs> they're not all comment. bad. <laughs> no, they're not. So we worked like all day on Wednesday to put together this, uh, what we thought was a really great show about going outside and playing when the weather sucks. And... 
uh, only to come back in on Thursday morning and have our uh, gloating balloon popped because we found out that it was just radio silence. Yeah, something happened yeah, in the no upload good. process. We couldn't, everything worked in our editing software, but for some reason, once we once we exported it, it just went kaput. So Yeah, and that sucked. Which I think, uh, as a friendly reminder, we are print reporters, so this whole foray into audio is a little bit new yeah. for both of us. <laughs> NPR, so. we are not. NPR, we are not. That is for sure. Yeah, so. but... If you guys haven't checked it out, please check it out because we uh, immediately corrected it and got the got a playable working version up online. So if you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to it. I bet you'll learn a thing or two. So anyway. Stay tuned. Get, yeah. Should we get this ball rolling? Yep. Today's podcast is brought to you with support from the Colombian Subscription Department. Just in time for the holidays, take advantage of big savings on a gift they'll open again and again. For only $20 a month, you can give the gift of local news delivered every day. Call today to take advantage of this great offer. Request the podcast special by calling 360-694-2312. This offer is only available for customers that have not had service in the last 30 days. All right, so we are sitting down with Amy Libby and John Hill to talk a little bit about the web section, the comment section of Columbian.com. So, hey, Amy. And John. Hey there. So tell us each a little bit about what you guys do and what roles you have here at the Columbian and what that looks like. So Uh, I'm the web and uh, photo editor and uh, oversee the website and the photo team and anything that has to do with visual, so the video. One of the things that I do that a lot of people don't know about is I spend some time with uh, helping with data and um, interactive visualizations of data on the website so and um, work as the liaison between the newsroom and uh, the developer to make sure that our digital products are the best that we can possibly provide um well i'm on the copy desk at the columbian and i do a little bit of everything page design copy editing um, but i also work on our social media and managing content on the website a lot of the stories that you see, I will have put them there and added photos and sometimes written headlines, things like that. Um, and one of the other things I do is some of the comment moderation. I probably do the bulk of it for the Colombian um, for on both our social media pages and on Colombian.com. You know, obviously brought you guys on to talk about like the comments section and love it or hate it. We have it. And, um, you know, I think it's really interesting to bring up because I'm sure every newsroom at one point or another, since they've gone digital, um, has thought about taking down their comment section. And in fact, like a few of them have, I know NPR did it just recently, like what we talked about earlier. I think BuzzFeed just recently announced it. And no, not BuzzFeed. Vice. Vice. Vice recently announced they did it. And then there's a couple others that I'm just blanking on that Lo- I know have um, done it as well. Locally Coin eliminated their comments, what, two years ago? I want to say just about two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they wrote a story about why they were doing it and what their rationale was. And they felt mm-hmm. that it wasn't uh, that the comments had become too abusive and it wasn't furthering discussion on anything. Mm-hmm. So they decided to get rid of them. Gotcha. So from like your guys's perspective, what is the benefit and or and or disadvantage of us having a comment section for our stories online? I think that the uh the primary advantage to it is that you are stimulating conversation and you are increasing the engagement on the site. So, which are, those are good things. And as a newspaper, I think, uh, you know, we are 
trying to stimulate democracy. I mean, and trying to provide a forum for discussion on different topics. And a lot of our stories are we're trying to get to the truth. We're trying to get to at least as close to the truth as we can, you know, um, with a fair and objective and balanced approach and get as many opinions out there as possible. And so, and a lot of times we don't, we're not the expert experts at everything and we can't, uh, you know, it's, it's good to get the reader's input because they provide information that we don't always have. Mm -hmm. And, uh, or that, that the bureaucrats on a city hall or the county building, you know, they have a certain perspective too, uh, but the public's perspective uh, sometimes gets forgotten. So I think that that's good that sometimes that gets brought out in these discussions. So. Um, I think they, that comments in a lot of cases serve the same kind of function that letters to the editor do. Mm. That you, it, you know, sometimes it's bringing new facts, new perspectives. Sometimes it's just saying like, you know, I live in battleground and this is what I think about this situation and mm -hmm. presenting this other opinion that maybe if you live in Camus, you don't have that same perspective and, and maybe it changes your mind and maybe it doesn't. But, um, but it is definitely, I think there's a lot of good information there. I've also seen comments that connected people to resources. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you want to volunteer, there might be a volunteer coordinator who comments and says, hey, here's another opportunity for this. Mm -hmm. um, in, in a much more heartbreaking kind of connection, I have also seen um, situations where the person who had attended a fatal crash was the first person on the scene and was there when the person died, was able to connect through our comment section with the family and talk to them about their loved one's last moments, which... That actually happened? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Actually, I've seen that kind of thing happen more than once. Wow. Um, and, and that's kind of mind blowing to think about that. But those things do happen in, you know, I've seen people connected to uh, provide resources and all kinds of things. So those those things they I mean, they're the same kinds of connections that you see in Facebook groups and all of those kinds of things. And they happen on our website. So mm, that's there's value in that, I think. Sure. But I mean, it's not all rosy, right? I mean, anybody who's, <laughs> anybody who's ever seen a comment section below any story. And, and I will, what I will say about our, our comment section is that, is that it does, I think, tend to skew a little bit better behaved than others. And I think part of that is, is with credit to, to you, Amy, and the, the moderation that, that you do and some of the, um, some of the, the policies that we've put in place to keep trolls either out of the comment section entirely or their power limited in the comment section. So... We have a very long list of banned commenters. Uh, I'm not even sure how many people are in that list now. A couple hundred, maybe. Wow. Um, but we've maintained a spreadsheet for four or five years. Four. So, yeah. And so Facebook is, we, our comment section is like kind of connected with Facebook's, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, what I've noticed is, is sort of, Katie, to what you were saying, is generally I do see much friendlier and much more polite discussion and commentary happening under our stories. And I wonder if that is because we require people to connect their social media accounts to our comment section. You know, I've seen so many other ones where people can make up a username. And so often the discussion below just goes off the rails. So, I mean, did... Did the Colombian go through this same kind of evolution before she or I got here? Yes. 
Really? <laughs> <laughs> very, very adamantly, yes. Um, we made the decision to go to Facebook comments in order to require... Whoa, 2011, 2012, something like that. But it required people to use their real names, mm -hmm. in theory. There are people who have a plethora of fake Facebook profiles that they use specifically for commenting places so that they can be trolls and it's not traced back to them. We try to weed those out. Those profiles are not as... They're pretty easy to spot, quite frankly, when you click on them. Well, I think I heard you talking a couple of weeks ago to one of our other editors about how you were pretty sure this woman who was commenting wasn't actually a woman, but was in fact just like one of several fake accounts from some person, right? Am I remembering this correctly? Um, we, we had a person who, yes, was that we suspected was not who they claimed to be, mm -hmm. um, partly because of the URL on their Facebook page. Um, and for a variety of other reasons that you just sort of learn to spot when you go and look at a Facebook profile that they don't have any local friends and they never share anything that has anything to do with anything local. They've never checked in at a local restaurant, but you know, that kind of thing. There's no, there's no evidence of real people that you would see if you went to any of our Facebook profiles. Well, and you get pretty good at detecting tone and general topics of interest of some of, of certain repeat yes. offenders <laughs> yes definitely I, I mean it's not all sunshine and roses just because we switched to making people use their real names um we have a pretty strict profanity filter which takes down more comments than i would like to see i guess it's it, it things like somebody says something is asinine and it gets taken down no like, is it well quite that, no, is it that bad or more like i'm just disappointed at the number of people who feel the need to come in and use a oh. plethora <laughs> of profanity oh. <laughs> on any number of stories that it shocks me i mean it's not just you know the political story that gets people riled up and they drop an f-bomb or something like that it's sometimes you know school stories or um a story about volunteer efforts and somebody goes off on a tangent or they're angry with somebody in the story there's all kinds of that kind of thing that is just caught by our profanity filter then there's me for the other stuff basically the things that i take down the most often are personal attacks on other commenters um speculative information especially anything that could be libelous i guess um and that primarily comes up in crime stories or things like that and then things like somebody says well i heard this guy was this kind of terrible person and yes. yeah you know what whatever it happens to be um and the other thing that i frequently have to take down are identifying comments on somebody who has been killed in a car accident or something like that and the identity hasn't been released but you know their neighbor comes in and says oh that joe smith is a great guy and we don't know if the family has been notified or not and that's not how you want to find no, out and we never want to have that kind of thing happen so those are the things that i end up i end up taking down the the most often um has the columbia never talked about just getting rid of comments entirely we have yes many times <laughs> really yes it's come up several times mm. uh in discussions um there's been concern uh by upper management i guess that you know it's just not good for the brand or it's not just not it doesn't reflect well on 
us when there's people going off and saying horrible things or issuing personal attacks. Um, and it makes people really uncomfortable. We don't want to be any part of that. And so um, there's been some some discussion, but then ultimately what we've, we just don't, we didn't want to silence uh, the readers. We wanted to give them a voice. And so, like Amy said, you know, we don't, the letters to the editor, that's always been the voice for decades in newspapers. But then with websites, that changed. And mm -hmm. uh, so in your guys' professional and expert opinions, is it a good idea for these news outlets to be getting rid of their comment sections? Or is it a bad idea? Um, well, after reading NPR's rationale, which one of the things that they said was they were spending a lot of time with with moderation and dealing with them on their websites, and they found that they were ending up with duplicate efforts between their Facebook page, which is obviously enormous because it's NPR and their website. Um, and they have so many other ways that people can comment and contribute and, and share stories and do all of those things. For NPR, it totally made sense to me what they were doing um, because they still do have comments on their Facebook page, the same as we do. Um, I don't remember as many details about the coin removal just because it's been a while. But when you're talking about a website that's as big as NPR, you're going to spend a lot of time and resources on moderating people who all they want to do is come in and be obnoxious. Mm -hmm. and it's like John said, you know, don't spend a ton of time on this kind of thing. And is it worth it when we have fewer resources and fewer people in newsrooms to be spending staff hours going through and deleting comments from, you know, the guy who just wants to call people names or should those people be producing interesting, fun stories that contribute to society? I think we all kind of would agree on that one. Sure. Um, I don't spend a ton of time on our comments. I make a pass through in the morning usually to see everything that's been commented since I went home the night before. Um, and then periodically during the day, you know, if I'm waiting for something to show up on the website or I'm checking something, I'll, I'll go in and, and, and look at them really quickly. Um, one of the things I find interesting too is the with uh, those people that come in and they they're not used to our rules, uh, and then there's the people that are here and they still don't like the rules, but that um, they'll say, "Well, you're censoring me," you know. <laughs> I I can say whatever I want. It's a it's free, free country. Free, yeah, it's free country. First Amendment. First Amendment. You of all people should understand as a protector of the first amendment and you know it's hard to argue with that but at the same time uh you know i have to say well we have to have some sort of civility here <laughs> yeah it's not our it's not you know we're a business like at the yeah. end of the day it's not we're not required to provide a platform for people to speak view vitriol it's you know just like a, a business owner doesn't need to let somebody in you know who's not wearing a shirt into their business mm -hmm. so yeah it's like table manners people come on now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah i i sometimes i want to say well it's, it's a it's a privilege not a right but i mean i it's hard for me to say mm -hmm. that and i i don't usually go there well i mean it's like free speech is one thing but like a platform for free speech is an entirely another thing that has been debated in courts you know all across this country i think since that uh whole idea was put into paper yeah 
Well, and if you went to if you went to City Hall and you were speaking to the City Council about something and you went up to the mic and you wouldn't be allowed to just say whatever you yeah. wanted. I really want to do that as an experiment. I want you to like print out <laughs> the worst comments that you've ever, and just like go to a county council meeting and just start reading them. <laughs> um, no, uh, <laughs> nobody needs to hear them. Nobody, nobody needs that in their life. Well, and the thing that I would also add to what John was saying about that platform for free speech and all of that kind of thing, we want you to come and voice your opinion. We want you to talk about the oil terminal and the county counselors and pet licensing fees and cemetery cleanups, but we want you to do it without attacking other people in the comments that are disagree with you and without using profanity and without spreading rumors that, you know, are libelous or, or hurt other people. So if, you know, comment, please join in, but just be nice. I know it sounds it sounds silly. It really does in this day and age. But really, be nice about it. Like that's all that we ask. I don't think that's too much to ask. And I, I wish I I wish we could all believe that we've gotten more civil and civilized as time has marched forward. But not on the internet. The we internet. Haven't. The internet has rolled us back in civility many decades. Well, you heard it here, folks. Be nice. Be civil. Comment often. Visit regularly. Yeah. Well, I think we covered everything. Thanks for coming on, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you with support from the Colombian Subscription Department. Just in time for the holidays, take advantage of big savings on a gift they'll open again and again. For only $20 a month, you can give the gift of local news delivered every day. Call today to take advantage of this great offer. Request the podcast special by calling 360 694 2312. This offer is only available for customers that have not had service in the last 30 days. All right, guys. Now we are sitting down with one of our uh, most experienced reporters, uh, Mr. Tom Vogt. He's got a list of our top 10 this year. So, um, hey, Tom, thanks for coming on. I appreciate having you. Great. Thank and you very much. You were just telling me, what what is your official title of the paper, technically? Well, as you look on our list of reporters in the Beach State cover, which is in the paper almost every day, I am listed as history and science Um more on a more realistic note, I kind of cover heritage, tradition, um, and I is, am the only general assignment reporter that is on our list of reporters. That was kind of a, a very wide-ranging area of, of things to cover. Um, you know, there were periods where probably most of the people in a newsroom would have been sort of on a general assignment. Now we have a lot of specialization and a lot of just, you know, very dialed-in community coverage. Um, I kind of blur a lot of those lines. And so uh, sometimes it's just having been around for a while, I know that somebody who pops up is, hey, that person used to live here. Or, you know, I, I know that person that was a kid who grew up here, uh, went to college and is now, you know, off doing interesting things in other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And so occasionally I get to catch up with some. How long have you been in the news business? I started in 1970 in uh, Lewiston, Idaho. Oh. Was right out of college, graduated from Washington State University in 1970. My wife and I were married on Saturday. We graduated on Sunday, and I went to work on Monday. Wow, that was a busy weekend. That was a very busy weekend, <laughs> yes. So that's interesting. So you're saying at least, uh, wh when do you think 
You're talking about how, if I heard you right, most people in a newsroom were like general assignment reporters, which is kind of their uh, their title or their responsibilities. When did when did this like specialization and like like this real narrow beat thing start to happen? Probably 20 years ago, we all had things that we were kind of aimed at, uh, whether it would be the nonprofits or the social agencies. But then you'd also go out and do just breaking news as you happen to be in the office and something would pop up. Sure. So, so now we have a very dedicated and you know very hardworking breaking news team. Uh-huh. And so they wind up covering the fires and the various police incidents and the weather things. But yeah. I, and I have covered fires myself. I have uh, you know been out at two in the morning mm-hmm. on downtown really horrific disasters. Mm-hmm. But uh, gradually those things have kind of um, we've kind of transitioned into new new ways of covering. You know, I didn't think about that at first, but after hearing you say that, I think you're totally right. I've heard just anecdotes from, you know, so many uh, big, successful, like famous uh, journalists out there talking about when they were at like a newspaper, their big break moment often came when they just happened to be the only one in the newsroom to cover some big issue. And they so many of them point to that moment of just kind of like luck and circumstance being the thing that catapulted them. But then when I think about my own experience, like you're right, it's there's at least the last few I've worked in, we've had people that focus on like the breaking news and then the rest of us just kind of work on our, whatever our beat is. Well, and yeah, I think in the newsrooms I've been in, I, I think that I, I guess I haven't really acknowledged that before that the, the general assignment reporter is kind of a rare breed. There's usually maybe one in a newsroom. Yeah, I did a story in uh, on December 7 that um, based around the research of a man named Jim Delgado, who is NOAA's director of maritime heritage. He used to live in Vancouver, and I'm willing to bet not 10 other people in Vancouver would have recognized the name. But having done a little coverage on him, it's one of those names that stuck, and I was able to get back with him on a pretty cool research project that uh, involves the mini submarines that attacked Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 75 years ago. Mm. And so knowing the name, having already done a story with him, I was able to get back to him and say, hey, you're working on something pretty good. You've got a little bit of time to spend with me. He's you know, peripheral now as a local person, but it's still a great story. It's world-class stuff, and I know the guy. And so those moments happen every once in a while, and so it's nice to be able to take advantage of them. And, the, you know, the editors here are very much saying, yeah, go get it. I think that anecdote you just gave us is like the perfect example of the thing that breaks my heart the most about the decline of the news business is like anytime there's a layoff or a buyout so often it is the people that have been in the community or been at the paper for a long time and just that institutional knowledge is just like flushed out and income a bunch of people like us who are young and can can and are willing to work for like a fraction of the wage but like if despite all of our ambitions like i would have never made the connection that that guy lived here in vancouver just because i haven't been here long enough to know so the real reason why we wanted to bring you in to talk is you had a whole other job another set of responsibilities going on this week with coming up with the top 10 stories that uh rolled across the presses this year at the columbian is that right yeah actually it's a year-long story um i had a post-it note on the uh on my terminal probably on January 1st. Mm. And every time something came up that struck me as being, we need to keep our eye on this, I'd jot it down. And Mm. eventually we wound up with about 25, 26 different Mm. news candidates. And so, yeah, it wasn't just the last week or so. 
it's one of those things you kind of try to keep your eye on as the year gotcha. goes along. So it's, as reporters, we always love a story that's got legs, but some legs are definitely longer and able to walk a lot further than others. And yeah. so, yeah, you're right. Looking at this list, uh, these are things that we reported on almost throughout the year. We are very much theme driven on this package. I just went back and took a look over the last few years. We had a stretch um, recently where four years in a row, all of our top stories were, were related somehow to the economy, whether it's you know uh, unemployment, coming out of the recession, just hard times, plant closures, things like that. We had four years of that. We've had the Columbia River crossing which has been the top story for probably a couple of years in a row, and it has now just totally uh, disappeared. Yeah, I think last year, wasn't last year the first year that it fell off the top 10? Yes. It, it so just, even it, as recent as 2015, this was still, even when it was already dead, this was something that people, that was driving conversation. Yes. So again, a lot of long sagas that we play out. Uh, the casino, I think, was on our one of our top 10 lists about 10 years ago, and it's going to be a player now for a while just because of not just the construction, you know, having get um, getting through the various legal and permitting issues. Uh, it's going to be an employer. It's going to be, uh, if everything works out according to plan, it'll be a destination. So uh, that's not going away for a while. This year, we're looking at some of the, um, again, some of the ongoing sagas. And uh, last year, we had things like housing and the homelessness problem. Those are not problems you're going to solve in 12 months. So they're they're going to be back. Some of the political figures, uh, very high visibility folks, they're back. Um, maybe uh, yeah, we've got two. I see there's a couple of county, specifically county government related stories yes. on here. So because those are always talkers. Yeah, and you know very much high visibility. And we'll now have to wait and see whether again, as you say whether they have legs. Uh, are they just kind of fading away or will there be new chapters to be written on some of these ongoing sagas that we're not, we don't know about yet? Was there anything as you were compiling this list? So the way that this works is you compile a list throughout the year and then we ask the, the opinions of reporters in the newsroom who all gets to vote on the top stories. We keep it to people who I actually call the news team, uh, the newsroom staff. It's kind of a uh, not a precise title, but and then uh, certainly the editing, uh, the editor publisher roles, uh, they, they get to have a say. And I think I counted up about 36 people who I considered eligible. We got 32 of them reporting back with their top 10 lists, as mm -hmm. well as their pick for the top story of the year. So I think we got a pretty good sense of what the newsroom thought. Do we have like a, um, like a reader's vote or a reader's survey where people get to choose what like our yeah our readers get to choose what they think were our biggest biggest stories of the year we have two variations on that we will have the same balloting going out on our website and john hill our uh, digital guy i think has probably got that on now where readers can vote on the same topics the newsroom did interesting we, we also have a i believe a hundred stories that were um a list derived from web page views Oh, and so sure. that is another variation on what the public hit uh, in terms of websites, mm -hmm. our website. And so we, we have that also will be part of our list. I'll be really curious to see how those two stack up, how the public votes at the end of the year, what the top 10 stories were compared to the list of uh, top 10 based on readership. 
Yeah. You yeah. can pretty much guarantee that the process stories are not going to be super um, reader oriented uh, for the people who report on these things and know a lot about them. Things like the county government, uh, you, the last couple of years, the charter, um, the wheel turning on Columbia River Crossing. Those are all things that we know a lot about. But unless there was something um, involving um, um, a personal effect on a day, you know, just a, a typical reader, those don't always get a lot of love. Uh, I know one of the really top hits this year is going to be the triple murder in Woodland. Um, that got a lot of immediate readership. But then you're going to get to things that involve animals. And yeah, you know, the the <laughs> I see on here one of the things that that didn't make it into our top ten was the uh, was the hunter the dog yes story yeah. and because that I mean that was very well read <laughs> that got, series got a lot of go arounds on it a lot of wide distribution okay well it'll be uh, uh, for everybody that's listening to this I think that they are going to be probably surprised and. Uh, definitely have a, a lot of chances to reminisce on what this year was like just looking at what these top 10 are and this story comes out on january 1st that right is correct it's a sunday package typically we'll have it on a sunday either right before the first of the year or occasionally uh, just it, as close as we can to that break so this year is perfect yeah and we have had years where something really razzle dazzle has happened like on you know december 23rd 24th 25th 26th after this thing is pretty plans. much gone yeah it's been put to bed so we've had to do some uh some quick revisions yeah didn't we when was the when was the tornado last year uh, that tornado made it into the top 10 but yeah. with like a month we've had a cowlitz casino ruling i believe that came uh, through some of the permitting process that kind of overturned what we had thought was pretty much a complete deal. So we've had to do some work on, on something like that. So still got, still got 10 days left in the year. That's a lot of news that can happen. So yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, Tom. Thank you very much. Hey listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you with support from the Colombian subscription department. Just in time for the holidays, you can take advantage of some big savings. So for only $20 a month, you can give the gift of local news delivered every day. This offer is only available to customers that haven't had a subscription in the last 30 days. But if that's you or somebody you know, call today and take advantage of this offer. Be sure to request the podcast special. The phone number is 360-694-2312. All right, so for this last section, I am going out to Esther Short Park where I am going to ask a few people what their holiday traditions are. I'm TAC, uh, mostly visiting family, uh, getting an opportunity to make sure we get to see a little bit of everybody um, and uh, eat, eat and be merry. Uh, do you do you travel for the holidays yes, or yeah. where are you traveling yeah. this year? Uh, going to Yakima, Washington. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, in terms of a tradition there, uh, on Christmas Eve, uh, we bring in all sorts of friends of the family and make a couple of big pots of soup and have what we call the soups. So your both of your first names just say I'm whatever. Oh, and whatever. I'm Nicole. Okay. I'm Austin. Austin. Mm -hmm. And what do you guys uh, what do you guys do during the holidays? What's your holiday tradition? Well, this is uh, our first holiday all together. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're trying to figure it out as we go. Right now, our thing is um, Vancouver Rocks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so 
we're out here looking to try to get some rocks then um, we're actually hiding rocks right now oh cool yeah. great um so so you said this is first time family all together yeah what, what does that mean that um we my boyfriend his his dad we started dating it's been just over a year now oh so. okay Very first cool. time all all together all of us my kids and, and his son and so yeah it'll be exciting we're we're kind of trying to make our own as we go because we both have been in our own thing for so long that coming together and trying to figure something else out it you know it's trial and error i'm christina i'm jessica all right so tell me a little bit about what your guys's holiday traditions are what do you do this time of year to commemorate the holiday um well a lot of the time just get together with family try to give back as much as we can Mm-hmm. Try to help out as much as we can. Thank you for the soup. It's very good. You're welcome, sir. So I caught you guys while you're out here in the park handing out some blankets and some little cups of soup to people who don't have anywhere to go. So is that something you guys do every year or something similar? Um, or This is my first year, but I'd like to do this more often than just Christmas. So cool. But hopefully it's a new tradition. <laughs> All right, and that concludes a good look behind the newspaper business. I hope you guys learned a thing or two about just some of the things that we have going on at the Columbian right now. Uh, these are these are conversations that we have all the time and if you see any reporter out in public or out on the street uh they will talk your ear off about these things well and it's really interesting you get us into a room together i think you get reporters into a room together and that's all we talk about is journalism i have yeah. never gotten a beer with a co-worker and said oh how's your garden doing how's your kid nope like yeah. it's all about we're just obsessed with our jobs and the yeah. work that we do and mm -hmm. so well uh when you're a hammer everything looks like a nail Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Delete on. your account. <laughs> you have to let me work these things in. All right, so anyway. we are still working on next week's episode. Next week, if things go as planned, we're going to have a kind of interesting episode for you guys. So mm -hmm. stay tuned for that. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Is that it? iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Um Oh, and yeah. you can listen on Columbian.com every oh, Thursday. That's, that's right. one I was forgetting. They can do so that now. We're all over the place. We so. are. We are. And as per the usual, get in touch with us. Uh, tell us what you like and what you didn't like. Yeah, get in touch with us. If you want to talk about how the episode sounded, if you come up with any good ideas of things we should cover, or if you just want to talk, please reach out to us at podcast at Columbian.com. Happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays.